Hi there, and today I'm talking to Lyle Wallace and learning about his role, the role he has in this our county in Hertfordshire. So, uh, hello Lionel. I was going to say good morning, but you never know when you're going to <laughs> uh, listen to this, everybody. Afternoon or morning. I'd like to go right back to the beginning. What was your childhood like? Uh, did you always have that lovely smile on your face or was it a grumpy face at times when you were facing battles? Um, brothers and sisters, how are you brought up? Give us a little picture. Yeah, so good, uh, good day to everybody. Um, I was brought up, I was born in St Albans actually, so oh, I was brought up uh, here in uh, just in this town. And uh, I'm a child of a uh, Caribbean um, family and I'm the 11th child. 11th I'm the 11th and oh. and, I, and I'm not the last by the way Elswith so uh, so the house was full and uh, we had a wonderful wonderful time with my parents <laughs> uh, I'm really blessed because my parents are still alive my father's 97 and my mother's 94 and they oh. they were yeah absolutely oh. and we thank God for them every day because they're they're worshippers they're down at the church here in St Albans yes. and we're really grateful they're still alive so I brought up and you mentioned the smile I mean I love smiling I think somebody said that actually it takes less energy to smile than it does to frown so uh, so oh, I, I i'm definitely energy conserved <laughs> yeah i'm definitely energy conserved but i had a i had a really lovely uh, um childhood i i remember just basically just making lots of different things to entertain myself and that's why i get a little bit frustrated with some people these days children or young people or whatever who kind of can't make their own entertainment they've got to be entertained by something but we learned actually to make go-karts and stuff like that and then when i went to school i mean i wasn't terribly academic at school as it were um i kind of like picked up a bit on that but one thing i did do is have a lot of fun <laughs> And, 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 and that, that was fantastic. So. Can you imagine the teacher mm. say, uh-oh, oh, here's another Wallace coming up. You yes. know. <laughs> look out, look out, yes. Oh. But did you veer to the arts or to uh, mechanical things? I mean, TV was not that big a thing then it, it was there but not quite like now. it was it was it was it, that, that's not an implication on how many children my parents had is it <laughs> <laughs> but you probably were three in a, three in a bedroom weren't you? we were more than three in a bedroom um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was really really well i mean we were ch children my parents did a tremendous job i think in the sacrifices they made yes. we would never be able to thank them for the sacrifices they made to bring up uh, the family that we are and um, and all of them are still alive other than one one of my one of my brothers passed away earlier this year and we yeah. were quite sad to bury him but the rest of them are around are here still um, they wear well don't they yes yes is that absolutely. the clue have loads of children and you'll live a long time <laughs> <laughs> i think i think i think it's honor thy father and thy mother that it might go well with you and that you'll live long upon the earth. I think that that's the scripture that I always okay. remember um, learning. And I think, you know, what we try to do as children is really to honour our parents. And that's a delight, I think, for all of us that, um, that we, we sort of grew with that value. But just going back to your original question, which was, so where did I lean to? Um, and I love the arts. And my father played the guitar. 
uh, in the church and um, a lot of us learnt um, either guitar or other musical instruments. My mother was really keen on us learning the piano and I remember I had to go to piano lessons, which I don't mind and I still tinkle a little bit, but don't ask me to come and play a concert or anything. Um, but when I was 14, I kind of, uh, I used to go to a school in St. Albans called Beaumont School, um, a really lovely school, a tremendous uh, school. I'm, in fact, I'm on the um, advisory board there now as an adult. And I remember looking out of the window one French lesson uh, when I was getting a little bit bored of French, I have to say, without offending anybody that might be listening. And across our field flew this really lovely aircraft that took off from the airfield uh, that was very near here, the de Havilland Hawker Siddeley airfield. And something just hit me and I thought to myself, that's what I want to do. So, uh, so I went into engineering, and I think it started when I was younger. I used to sort of take things apart, put them back together again, and then have bits bits left over, that sort of thing. So I went into engineering, and I'm still in engineering. I'm an aeronautical engineer. Did oh, so you did fly? Yes. And and I'm an aeronautical engineer, I, um, uh, yeah. which doesn't doesn't necessarily mean no, that you fly, no, right. but but I but I did go and get my pilot's license when I was younger. So yeah, I le- yes. I went to I went to America and learned to fly over there in in three and a half weeks on what they called a crash course. I didn't tell my mum it was called a crash course, <laughs> as for obvious reasons you can probably imagine. Um, but uh, I had a crash course in flying. And then I came back and I got my UK license and uh, we had a, a club and an airplane, a small aircraft that we used to fly out of Hatfield here. Wow. Um, yes. Yeah. And what was, uh, was there any church life with your family? Yes, absolutely. So, so, so I remember my first recollections of church was sort of being marched off. My father didn't have a car, so we used to sort of file all of us um, up to the Victoria Street and down to a church. It was a, a Pentecostal church at the time. At the time, well, it still is now. I don't go to that particular church anymore. And uh, so um, ever since I've known myself, I, uh, I went to church to Sunday school. In fact, we were, we were of the era where we went to church three times a day right. So on the Sunday. So we went to morning service, Sunday school was in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and then we went back out in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were well churched up uh, on a Sunday, actually. So, so it was easy to, um, <laughs> as the Bible sometimes says, to keep, keep it special because it was different. Uh, it was different. And uh, you've got to remember at those times... Uh, church was, and don't take this the wrong way, but church was where we had a lot of our friends. So our friends were in church yes. and our social gatherings were in church. So, you you know, you, you didn't you didn't have to go onto a mobile phone to think you're connected with anybody. Right. You know, we went and we had fun Sunday or Friday night was youth night and stuff. So church was our life. And, um, and you know, it was between school and a bit of the friends in the neighbourhood and, and church, really. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, yes. And but going to church and having friends is a bit different from knowing God for yourself through Jesus. Did that happen when you were a child or when you were a bit older? No, it happened when I was a child. So you're absolutely right. I was going to church and enjoying church. I don't think I can say I ever had a time when I didn't believe in God. But um, in those days, we had you, uh, we had summer camps. Um, they may still have some now. I don't hear about them as much, but they have a few. But our church used to go to a summer camp in uh, in uh, Sussex uh, at the time, and we went to a youth club camp, and they were tremendous times. You were kind of like away at this sort of country boarding house that the the, the normal children were away for the summer, and we'd have services every day, morning um, and then the evening particularly, and then games and fun, mm-hmm. and it was just like our holidays. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know. Um, uh, I was sitting in uh, in a in a camp in East Grinstead, 
listening to the word of God. And I, it was just one of those occasions, you've probably heard this before, where you just feel like God is speaking just to you. And there was an appeal gave, given. And, uh, and, and the next thing I know, I, I found myself at the front on my own. And I, I was 11 years old. So I gave my, ch- my life to Christ when I was 11 at that youth camp and then came back. And I distinctly remember when we got off the coach in St. Albans, I just felt I was on a different planet. It was really strange. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what was, whether that was, you know, the week of being in a very spiritual, you might call it, um, uh, you know, uh, dynamite uh, yeah. place, you know what I mean? Yes. And then coming back into sort of normal life and finding all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I was 11. Amazing. But since then, um, you took up, I suppose it was the career of, or um, not aviation itself, but the mechanics, the engineering around it, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you move into after that yeah so I, I stay sort of much in engineering I mean I do some stuff in the community which we can talk about later if you want but yes, um, but I I, um, I progressed um, I progressed in my aviation career into a department first of all that we call airworthiness this is the department it's a really lovely name I, I loved the name even when I heard it the first time um, it's this is the department that looks after the certification of the aircraft so we assess whether the aircraft complies with the regulatory requirements right. basically make sure that it's safe to carry passengers right. and we we do the um, interface with the interface with the awareness authorities so I basically went to that department I went up into management level and right. became the head of of that department here at uh, Hatfield and then after that in my career I've been doing lecturing so I'm a visiting lecturer to uh, Cranfield University and I've done sort of training around the world Hong Kong and uh, different parts of Europe and here in the UK and most recently I've been involved in uh, regulatory activities associated with the electrical vertical aviation that's coming so do you remember sorry electrical (laughs) vertical aviation yes yes going that way exactly the sort of thing that will take off from your garden (laughs) (laughs) and take you to London in about two minutes or so yeah um so you remember when we used to see the films and we all thought it was science fiction right these sort of some people call it cars flying through they're not electrical cars they are airplanes um but um but in in a few years time uh between five and ten probably uh, at the most you'll see these electrical um air taxis vehicles that would be flying around and taking people around i'm surprised you're not grabbed by the film industry because they (laughs) want to show that sort of thing and you could do it for real (laughs) yes well i think that i think they're knocking on a lot of doors actually the film industry at the moment yeah Yeah. now that is a sort of different area uh, from one that you're often known for Mm. um as in this county of hertfordshire because for some years you were Deputy Lieutenant. I'm still Deputy Lieutenant. Right. Mm. What does that involve? Some of us have no idea that Hertfordshire had this sort of structure. (laughs) You know, let's enlighten us. What does the role of Deputy Lieutenant encompass? Well, Her Majesty has a personal representative in each county in England and Wales. And that person is called the Lord Lieutenant. Yes. And um, their role is basically to... to, uh, um, host the royal family if they come to the county, um, uh, contribute to the country in many different uh, positive ways with voluntary organisations, etc. 
and the current Lord Lieutenant is a gentleman called Mr. Ross, uh, Mr. Robert Voss, and I'm a deputy uh, to the Lord Lieutenant, so I'm a, a DL. I've been a DL for uh, about 14 years now, actually. Yeah, yeah so uh, the previous Lord Lieutenant, um, uh, Lady Verulam, uh, was the one that appointed me, but our role is basically to help where we can in the in in the county, to um, to um, deputise for the Lord Lieutenant, and in so doing, we become personal representatives of Her Majesty the Queen. There's so much that covers. I mean, you need to know that schools are doing their thing, and um, you know, um, there's no. Uh, there's no sort of wondering well and others have all, you know... Yeah, discrimination and, and yeah. deviation, yeah. Yeah, so we, we, we're very interested in education, but we, we basically look at kind of like the whole county and, the, and particularly the community. So we love to get involved in, um, in joining or visiting community activities. So many people don't know that they can invite the Lord Lieutenant or no. the Lieutenancy to their events or whether they be uh, special events or just activities that they want uh, mm. to have further exposure. And the Lieutenancy is always open to people um, asking for the law lieutenant or uh, a deputy to represent to be represented at, uh, at their event, and when they they are represented, then effectively it's like a member of the royal family being there. This ought to be better known, I think. Well, it, we're trying. It's, it is very <laughs> difficult. Uh, but, uh, I know Robert Voss has done a lot in uh, most in recent times. Um, we have a structure now of uh, various panels. Um, both uh, area panels and special oh, interest panels, yes. and I actually chair the Commonwealth panel um, on the on the uh, lieutenancy, which is something very dear to my heart because um, my parents come from a Commonwealth nation, Saint yes. Kitts and Nevis, and uh, I think it's really great that we can have um, you know unity and diversity. I'm very strong on that, and uh, and having different cultures and, and and many people think that you know the diversity question is one simply of color but it's not it's it's one of how you think as well yes. and of what you do and i think when you look at the breadth of diversity there is in our nation and in our county yeah. um it's tremendous and i think we we want to support that mm. now was it one um step up you were deputy lieutenant mm. of the county for some years but then is that what you are now or there's something you've just two years worth yes you're already thinking about the high sheriff the high sheriff yes indeed right yeah so they are they are um they're not connected other than they are both appointments by her majesty the queen direct appointments by the queen how does she get to know of you through a panel? <laughs> yeah. or the... Well, well, that's what she 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 phoned me up one day and said, "Lionel, yeah, yes. Lionel, what are you doing?" Yes, right. yes. You, yes. you can manage that. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, so um, it doesn't. It won't surprise me if a lot of people don't know about the high sheriff um, uh, role, but it is the longest sovereign appointment role in the history of the country. Mm. It was created around the shires. Um, and uh, that were created and the role was basically the sovereign's point of contact and servant in all of the shires looking after the sovereign's interests so they were in charge of running the court system uh, the taxation system and many other factors for the interests of the crown today it's very much a ceremonial role and my role as high sheriff and I was high sheriff uh, from um, April uh, 2001 until April 2002 right. 
and I had my what we call declaration service in the Abbey Cathedral, which is a wonderful venue. I love that place. But Her Majesty issues what they call a warrant, and it's not a warrant for your arrest. It's a warrant which commands you to take charge of the county. Okay. And uh, and then after the declaration service, you're appointed as High Sheriff. How does the Her Majesty get to know about it? Well, um, effectively, nominations go up to the Privy Council, and it's in council that she does what we call the pricking. And uh, and uh, it's not picking, because a lot of people will get that uh, get that wrong. And it's uh, called a pricking service. How do you uh, spell it? Uh, P-R, P-R, prick, P-R. like prick. Like, right, like pricking. prick. Yes, yes. And the, the, the history behind it says that um, just here in Hertfordshire, actually, um, uh, at Hatfield House, when Queen Elizabeth I was asked to select her high sh- her sheriffs, mm-hmm. uh, because high sheriff is a relatively new term, it was called the sheriff at the time, mm. um, she took a bodkin and pricked in vellum the names ah, of the people that, yes. uh, that, yes. that she wanted to be the high sheriffs oh, around the county. So, oh. yeah, there's a lot of history behind it. Um, yeah. So today it's very much ceremonial, and we have a couple of legal obligations, and then most high sheriffs uh, select a theme or some passion that they have, of what they want to achieve in the county during the year. And mine was young people, right. creating opportunities for young people. I was really excited about it. And I'm still excited about it. And I'm still doing some things. Uh, um, what n- initiatives did you have for young people? So I had three pillars, basically. The first pillar was to say, um, young people that go to school, is, it's great. Our education system is one of the best in the world, we must say, uh, I think. Um, but there's a great focus on exam passing. And I think that uh, whilst exams are great, they don't make great citizens. So you can you can pass an exam but not be a great person, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to concentrate on how do we make young people great people, great citizens. Mm-hmm. So I joined with um, the uh, Archbishop of York, um, a youth trust, which has a program called the Young Leaders Award. And that um, basically uh, goes into schools and basically is a resource program that teaches young people how to serve. And this is one of the right. things you'll know about, Elsfield, that's really important for us yes. as believers, right, yes. is the servant. We have a mm. servant king. Mm. And I think if we can teach people how to serve, they create a character which can um, supplement education and transport it into real effect in the community. So that was the first pillar. Was the, this At what time was this? Because we've had such a difficult year for students we during have. the COVID era yes. when they had to... And not have lectures where they yes. normally did. Yes. And, oh dear. It was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. Really terrible. So, so I, um, I was right through that period, mm-hmm. April twenty uh, to 20, uh, twenty-one to twenty-two. Right. My predecessor, uh, a lovely gentleman, Henry Holland Hibbert, he was affected much in much more greater way than I was by the pandemic right. in terms of lockdown. So that was my first pillar: young people uh, in schools. The middle pillar was. Because the reason you've just explained that young people have a real challenge mentally now with what happened to them as a cause of the pandemic. So we're saying, you know, they were the first to go when the jobs were going and all that sort of stuff. So we're saying, well, how about starting your own business? How about being creative and thinking, well, actually, maybe I can do something. You know that business is just problem solution. Match them together. And that, it's not much more complicated than that. And young people have a great... Uh, way of creating solutions Don't to problems. Don't you think that is happening much more nowadays? People think, yes, I can do this. I can run this. I can I uh, do. start this. Yeah, I do. Particularly with um, the you know, uh, with television, with all these 
um, <laughs> fill me in with words, all these modern electronic things that people can... Yeah, IT and, yeah, and, and yeah. Different, different tools and, and the way people want to do business these days. I mean, young people have, uh, generally speaking, have a, t- a tremendous gift for the new technology, Yes, don't they? And so, yeah, so I think some people will find it surprising how easy it is for them to start their business because they have a passion about something mm-hmm. and they know they see a problem that they think oh I don't like that maybe you're the one to, to provide the solution mm-hmm. and often you can turn that into a really great business so the middle pillar was trying to encourage young people to, to do that and then the, the last pillar was something I thought to myself I'd better do something that's a little bit close to what Her Majesty has appointed me for which is kind of law and over law and order sorry yes. law and order sort of oversight ceremonially and so I, I um, started a program called 30 Under 30 Program. Have you ever been in the magistrate's court? You I probably... might have been in a court looking round as a visitor, but not when anything was happening. No, okay, fine. So the magistrate's court, and we have one in the centre of St. Thomas, you should go and visit. And in fact, anybody listening to this who has not been in the magistrate's court, you should go and visit one because there is the administration of law being done in your name every day in that court by people just like you and I. Are you allowed to go and visit? You are allowed to go and visit. Absolutely. It doesn't cost you anything. They'll search you, of course, for security reasons, but you can go into most uh, courts and just sit at the back in the in the gallery mm-hmm. and watch justice being done. Um, and um, what I was interested in is I asked uh, to see a report on the magistrate's uh, diversity because it was interesting to me. I'm, a, I'm, a, a, I'm from a black family. And... Um, I wanted to see the diversity issue, and then I noticed that actually the youth diversity, the age diversity, is much more challenged than the ethnicity diversity. Really? And and yeah, so so I looked at a chart, and it it, it went like this. Your viewers can't see my my hand mm, doing it's the curve. You. <laughs> yes, it's a sort of you. Our average age of our magistrates was about 60, 62. and then I asked the judicial statistics office for the age of the defendants coming before the court and it was the complete opposite yes yes. (laughs) so so what you see by that is and what young people see is it's just their parents or grandparents doing stuff to them again but can you get people to understand them can you get people are trained enough when they've 18 and 20 and 24 well this is a really interesting question you should say so and i'm having this debate with lots of people who think that actually age doesn't breed experience age doesn't equal experience and i say age does equal experience if the experience you're looking for is the relevant experience and an 18 year old and you did you know that you could be a magistrate at 18 did you know that (laughs) did you know so an 18 year old can sit on a bench and send people to prison you didn't know that, did you? No. No. And there you are, you see. <laughs> um, um, and I say, well, an 18-year-old is generally speaking going to have much more relevant experience today than a 60 or 70-year-old right. for the young person that's before them. Yes. And whilst you don't want a bench of 18-year-olds, because I, I, there is some tremendous experience that's being gained, life skills and stuff, by people who are older, various, um, various ways, it's equally true to say that some people who are 60, 70, 50, 40, 70, 80 are very unwise people or very inexperienced people. Age doesn't breed experience that is relevant. So it's not an age situation for me that says they're too young. It's me, I think it's saying, let's make the bench relevant. And in order to make the bench relevant, you have to have a a plethora, not a plethora, but a, a, a mixture maybe 
uh, of experience on the bench. Mm. And if it adds to that decision, what I think we'll see is a situation where somebody young on the bench will be on there with some older people, but they'll be part of a decision that says, hey, Elswith, that wasn't acceptable in our community, mm. or mm. Julie, that wasn't, or John, that wasn't acceptable in our community. And that young person in particular will listen to that judgment and they'll respect it more because it will be coming from their peers. Mm. And, and this is really, really important. Yes, but how are you going to get the young people? Are they allowed to come to this role? They absolutely are. And the problem is they don't know anything about it, just like you didn't. So, so I can tell you, I sat in the barber shop down on, on uh, Marlborough Road. Yeah. I sat in the barber shop one day and I was speaking to this young man who'd come from South Africa. He was born in South Africa. I was telling him a little bit my high sheriff role um, and the magistrate's court. And uh, anyway, to cut a long story short, he went home. This was a Saturday. He went home. Um, and over the weekend, he must have done some research because he came back on Monday, wrote me an email and says, I've been looking into this a little bit. This is really important. I'm going to make an application to become a magistrate. And he's 18 at school in the sixth amazing. form. And it was amazing. And the thing that I see consistently, time after time after time, is that generally when you talk to young people about community service like this mm. and it's how important it is and what can happen if they are not part of it they come alive and they think actually can i can i actually help mm. am i welcome mm. and it's up to us older people to make sure that they feel they can do it and it's up to the judiciary uh, the magistrates to make them welcome when they get there because i think they'll make a tremendous difference to the justice system in our country because 95 96% of the cases that are heard in England and Wales, the criminal cases are heard in the magistrates' court. Yeah. Many people only know about the Crown Court, you know, being called to jury service and, yes. and the wigs and everything like that. And that's fine, and, I, you know, and, and that's respected. But and it's it's doing a great job. What you're about. But it's different. Yes. It's, it's judging on similar, if not the same cases. Mm. Uh, the magistrates have less powers than, of course, the, the professional judges. Mm. But it's equally important to people's lives. And I think it's so important. We need to grab a hold of this by both mm. horns and but, deal with it very soon. Yeah, but how do you do that? I mean, this well, is all a surprise. You have some, you have some, you have some initiative. Well, well, I'm glad to hear you say it's a surprise, and you're not the only one, so don't feel bad about it. You have some initiatives like the ones I've started, and some of my colleagues that are doing other things all mm. around the country that says we need to solve this problem, and we need to tell young people that there's the opportunity. I'm delighted to see the Ministry of Justice have recently put on a campaign advertising for... Um, advertising for justices of the peace and magistrates and the response was phenomenal they had over 30,000 I think applications of people interested mm. so I think we've lost a bit of the know-how and the knowledge of this role being available to people to volunteer it's a voluntary role you don't get paid for it um, but equally so there's many people who do maybe may, may many people who do volunteering right so the volunteering isn't a new thing but it's a critical role and I don't know any other role that can transform people's lives as much as that role that is the difference between setting somebody free if they're not guilty mm. or sending them to prison if they are for the appropriate judgment. Yes. And the whole community needs to be involved in it. Yes. And I was delighted in my view, uh, in my experience, sorry, I was delighted to, to have my, my, um, my experience enlightened as I started to study this and look at it when I was high sheriff. Because like you, 
I just, every day I went about my business. I mean, I studied law, and so I, 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 I'd been into a magistrate's course, and I know about the law, but I'm not practising, and therefore I thought everything was kind of different, and I was shocked to see that we had that level of difference between the people coming for the court and the people judging them. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm working, uh, even though I'm not high sheriff anymore, I'm working with various people, including um, the MOJ and some leadership in the magistrates, to see how we push this further. How about that? That's, that is amazing. <laughs> I'm just taking it in. How do you get all this uh, information through to um, schools, for instance? So I went, when I was high sheriff, I went and did some assemblies and spoke to some right. children right. Uh, in the schools. I've spoken to churches. I've spoken to the Women's Institute, um, who nearly ran off with my, my high sheriff sparkly shoes. Uh, <laughs> it was me and 200 ladies. Um, so I'll tell you about that another time. Um, but, um, but you go and you start talking about it. And um, recently, the, uh, the Ministry of Justice and the magistrate leadership teams have introduced this role called the... Um, DCRM, it stands for Diversity and Community Relations Magistrate. And a good friend of mine uh, is the uh, DCRM for Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. And I know he goes around a lot and speaks a lot. In fact, he was recently on TV talking and encouraging younger people to consider this role because he was a magistrate when he was 20. And so he's living and breathing the experience, which is a, a good one. And so, um, you know, anything I can do to see uh, more people understand it, and people, who, particularly people who look like me, right? So I talk to a lot of young people who are black mm. because the bench needs that diversity as well. Yeah. And um, I want them to feel that they will be welcomed mm. if they make the applications. It's really important elsewhere. Oh. And, and I'll tell you the last thing, if I can, yes. is the church. What the church, church about the this? church should be there because if anything, and I'm not saying they have a monopoly on service, if anything, they have the commandment to serve, Yes. right? And this is about serving. And so I was speaking to J. John, you know J. John, right? So I was speaking to J. John uh, um, a few weeks ago um, or a couple of months ago and, um, and saying to him that, that people in the church should have a natural affinity to serving and serving their community. And it's not just about preaching the gospel. That's great. And it's good to know that people want to tell people about their experience of Jesus Christ or whatever. But I think God also wants us to be the administrators of peace and of justice. And this is what they are. They're justices of the peace. They're people who can, who, they're people who can judge a situation and provide a, 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 a uh, um, I was about to say uh, I was about to be speaking Italian then I don't know why I was doing that uh, provide a um, a wise judgment mm. saggezza they call it in Italian but, but provide a wise judgment yeah, it's very yeah. important are you uh, this is new to me mm. right how many other people have to be told before it's everybody knows? Uh, probably about 95 or 97% of the world <laughs> um, because, do, you use because the, do you use the papers the newspapers uh, so, so, Television. so they do use Ted. They, 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 as I say, the the MOJ have done a great job job recently on putting mm. some of this on the TV uh, papers as well. I think mm. probably um, they might be doing buses. I can't remember. I haven't seen any, but certainly they've got people going around and and sharing this in their communities. Is it enough? No, uh, but it's a, it's a lot to catch up on. Uh, we've they've started, and I think they're to be applauded 
for the work that's already been done, but there's a lot more to do. And so whatever you can do, Elspeth, to publicise this, this is publicising it. Um, it, it would be a real blessing because I, I really feel, and, you know, I think we have a really great justice system compared to many people, many places in the world, possibly. But I remember sitting in, a, in the magistrate's court because I was interested and I sat in the back of one of the courts. And I have to say, I was really troubled by it because in the court was this Italian man who was being prosecuted and he couldn't speak English very well um, at all. They had a translator, but the translator couldn't really understand him, in my opinion. Mm. And it got to a position where I thought, actually, the only person in this courtroom that really knows that's what's been said, no, no, not necessarily me, was, was the translator. Because, because, um, because if, you, if you don't understand the language, mm. you know, so our system, our judicial system, really needs funding well. It needs people's attention to it. Because I can tell you, if you were convicted wrongly, that would destroy your whole life, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just about somebody said something bad about me and I'll get over it at school. If you have a criminal record, there's some countries you can never get in. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so we can't be messing up people's lives, will it, nearly. And I think, as I say, I think our justice system is one, if not the best in the world. I a lot of people come here, yeah. but it doesn't mean we can't make it better, right? No, I was just thinking, uh, it's another long subject though, of, of women's rights in this, mm -hmm. because um, so many women are not considered. They bring their cases. I just heard the other day, you know, and they're, they're just, won't, no, we won't do that. Well, if it makes you feel any better, um, on a demographic uh, of um, gender, um, the women are, are very well represented. The majority of magistrates are women. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, so, okay. and that's because, that's because a lot of them have found it possible to, um, to have the time to go and sit voluntarily in court. Okay. And it shouldn't be such that it's only down to people who just can squeeze the time out. And that's why one of the other initiatives I started was trying to encourage um, companies to give magistrates that are serving time off right. work, with, yes, uh, yes. particularly with pay, mm. because it's really important. And they get so many other adjacent skills. You imagine sitting in the court and the skills you have to, 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 to uh, uh, exhibit and to, uh, um, and to use while you're doing a case. It's listening, it's rationalizing. It's constructing, it's argument, it's discipline, it's order. All of these skills a company will be getting for free. That, you know, are, are, um, are adjacent um, skills that are used in many aspects. So it's a big issue. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, I wouldn't even say we scratched the surface in my year as high sheriff. And that's why I'm continuing to pursue it right. um, with some really great interest. And I've got some people at national level uh, that are very interested in it. They're very positive about the initiatives that we can um, we can apply to possibly change things. But the more that the community knows about it, the faster the changes will come. Right. And one thing I'll say is, please trust young people to be able to do this. Not all young people can do it, but not all, all older people can do it. The selection mm. criteria should be the same. But I know some young people, some of my friends, they run their own business. They can take their own time off work. 
They're extremely good in rationalising and in speaking. So let's not write young people off. As I used as my mantra when I was high sheriff, young people are leaders of today, uh-huh. not just tomorrow. Yes. I just have one question to you, Lionel. It's fascinating what you're saying, but um, how do you find time in a day to get all this done? and things out to people? Do you have about uh, 20 sort of people serving you and saying, yes, I'll do this, do this? You know, how are you doing it? No, no, no. You're one man. I am one man, and I don't have a PA either. Um, I, uh, I don't have a PA either. I'll answer that question by saying um, I have just as much time as everybody else. And one of the key things I have to learn, or I have learned, is that I must do everything that God asks me to, because he knows if he's yep. asked me to do sure. it, then I have enough time to do it. I must exclude everything that he hasn't asked me to do. And everything else that I want to do, I need to make sure I need to do it. Because if I don't, somebody else should be doing it. And when you've worked out those three equations, generally speaking, you have enough time. And I can tell you, I rest really well. I sleep very well. I put my head on the pillow and I go to sleep. And I sleep lots of hours in the day. So for me, it's a matter of time management, not about the fact that I need more, but also making sure you're not doing something that somebody else should be doing, right? You are a special one-off, I think. (laughs) I don't know if I am. I hope I'm not. (laughs) But thank you so much for coming and pouring out what you, from your heart, what you wanted to say. I just think I'm just amazed by it, right? (laughs) So, yes, um, thank you. This is a podcast, a St. Albans podcast, and it'll be on every day for a fortnight. Thank you so much. You search my heart, you speak of love, your arms are always open wide. You know my thoughts, my every move, and still you love to be beside. Where can I go from your spirit?